Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. The question today, as we've been seeking to address the past few weeks, is how now shall we live? How should we live? In the midst of all that's going on, the chaos and the shaking, how are we going to move forward? What is our new normal? What does church look like? What does school look like? What does the world look like? How should we live? And it's amazing that the question we're asking is the same question that the prophet Ezekiel asked thousands of years ago to his people, the Israelites, as they were stuck in Babylon. They were in a culture that was not their own, under a king that they did not recognize. And, and they, were, they were stuck under a, a fierce government. And the prophet Ezekiel stands up and asks them, who are we going to be, church? How are we going to live? How are we going to worship? How are we going to believe? Are we going to look like culture or are we going to look like Christ? Are we going to look different, sound different? Will we be distinct? How should we live? This is the question we're wrestling with. What should it look like? What should it sound like? What should our lives look like? And, 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 and the enemy is trying to create a narrative of his own, a direction of his own, uh, a, an explanation of his own, but we've got to hear the Holy Spirit. We've got to hear his leadership. Come on, church. We've got to hear his guiding. We've got to hear him help us form our future. And I want you to know you do have a future. You do have a hope that God has not abandoned you. He has not abandoned his people. He's not abandoned this earth. He is not a long way off. He is not powerless. He is strong. He knows exactly where we are. He's going to continue to work, and in the midst of the waves, he's still going to captain the ship. In the midst of the storm, he's still going to be our shelter. When the rocks begin to crumble, God will be our protector. And anything that can be shaken is being shaken, but we serve an unshakable God. We serve a steady God. We serve a mighty God, and, and maybe we don't even know how mighty until we come into the midst of a generation where we look around and we see all that we thought was powerful is being exposed. That's powerless. And maybe God is even allowing the shaking to happen because he's letting everything we put our faith in crumble before us. You put your faith in government, it cannot do anything. We're putting our faith in institutions, they're meeting online. They are crumbling. We're, we're, we're putting our faith in education, where it is crumbling. We don't even have sports. Everything we would seek comfort from Love from, guidance from, direction from, it is gone. It has crumbled. And it's as if God is saying, are you done yet? Come on, are you done looking around? Are you done looking at powerless places, weak people, pagan cultures to find direction? Are you done yet? Church, believers, Christian, Jesus follower, are you ready to come to the one that saved you? He who began a good work in you, will be faithful to complete the good work in you. We got to come back to Jesus. You know, one of the pastors over our church, one of our, our leaders uh, was speaking to our, my dad, the pastor, and he said this phrase, uh, God will not relent until we repent. God is a jealous God, and he's saying, I want you back. I want you back. I want you back, church. And so, so today, right now, we're in a place of choosing we're in a place of sifting, of separation, and we're honestly right now in a place of choosing our worldview. How are we going to engage with the world? Are we going to engage in the flesh or the spirit? Make no mistake, there's no mixture between these two things. Flesh or spirit? Are we going to engage in culture 
or are we going to follow Christ? Are we going to live in the temporary or the eternal? Are we going to live with our minds on kingdom or on state? How are we going to engage in the world? Are we going to be out of our own strength or out of his grace? Out of our own wisdom or out of his guidance? Hear me, are we going to go back to the law, rules, regulations that you could never keep up? You could never be better, do better, could never save yourself. Is that where we're going to go back to? Where everyone holds themselves to a standard that they themselves can't even reach? We're going to go back there or are we going to be in the new covenant? which is the grace that flows from the cross of Jesus Christ, that we are washed in the blood of Jesus, that our mind is cleansed, that our soul is cleansed, that our heart is cleansed, that his word becomes a new lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. In other words, we're not going to walk the way we used to. We're not headed to where we used to. We don't talk the way we used to. We don't believe the way we used to. We don't live the way we used to. Why? Because God says, I make all things new. And that includes you. So the question is, how are we going to live? I almost titled this sermon, How is, as a church, how are we going to lead? How now shall we love? How now shall we believe? How now shall we worship? Because we're called to be distinct, different, set apart. We've been going through the book of Acts, chapter 2, taking a look at what a church looks like when the Holy Spirit falls on it. What people look like, how they believe and act when the Holy Spirit shows up. Holy Spirit is promised by Jesus, and he descends on the church in Acts chapter 2. And, and all of a sudden, we see in Acts 2, 42, it says this, that the Spirit produced devoted believers, not just Christians, not just attenders. We're called to be devoted Jesus followers, that even if the church has to shut down, that my following never stops. You understand what I'm saying? That no matter what culture says, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. They devoted themselves to the apostles, by the way, the church isn't going to shut down, just so you know. It's, not gonna, it's never going to shut down. Just, <laughs> I just want you to understand that. Um, I hope I'm not ever arrested, but I'm not afraid to be. The, the, they devoted themselves. It would be an honor, you know what I'm saying? I always wanted a cool mugshot, you know, me and Johnny Cash and, you know, Frank Sinatra. Okay, so <laughs> this is getting way off. What am I talking about? <laughs> I want you to know you, you're part of a church that's not going to back down. We're not going to be quiet. We're not going to be silent. We're not going to do nothing. We're not going to be inactive. We're not going to allow apathy. We are going to be the people of God. We're going to push. We're going to pray. We're going to pioneer. We're going to love. We're going to forgive. We're going to move forward because we are called to be the hands, the feet, the voice, the essence of Jesus Christ. Our mission statement is to show Jesus to the world. So we will be distinct and we will be different because we are going to look like Jesus Christ. The Bible says when Jesus came to the world, they didn't even recognize him. That's how different he was. They didn't recognize God in the flesh. So, so in other words, we might look different to the world. We might look even different than other churches, but we are called to be led by the Holy Spirit, not to do what other people approve of or the things of man or what other churches are doing, what other preachers are preaching. I don't know about them. We're not responsible for them. We are responsible to the Holy Spirit. And he comes to make devoted believers that are going to be effective in prayer, that are going to be mighty in belief, that are going to be bold in their proclamations. Hear me, church. We are not here to sit, say, that's nice, and go home. We are here to make something happen 
happen. We're here to shake the realms of the enemy. We are here to be a light in a dark world. We are here to be the advancing church of Jesus Christ. We are here to be built up by Jesus and the gates of hell themselves will shudder and shake and fall by our advancement. We are not going to slow down. We're not going to be quiet. We are not going to be nothing. No, we are going to be who God's called us to be. And even if we walk alone, we walk alone. Narrow is the path that leads to eternal life. Wide is the way that leads to destruction. You might not look like your cousins. You might not act like everyone else in your apartment complex. Your, your neighbors might not believe or pray or act or love or speak the way you do, but you are different. Because you've got a different leader. You live in a different era. You are called by the grace of God. And we are not going to go back to the way we used to live, having begun in the spirit. Are you now going to finish in the flesh? Having been saved by the spirit, are you now going to perfect yourself? Lead yourself? Walk your own way? Are you, having begun in the spirit, are you now going to be led by all your disagreements and all your anger, your anxiety, or your fear? The question is, who are we going to trust? The question is, what's our hope founded in? The question is, who saves us? I'm here to tell you, Jesus and Jesus alone did the finished work on the cross. He's the only one that's worthy of your mind, of your heart, of your soul, of your direction. Empires fall. Movements end. But the word of God will outlast even heaven and earth. It's the only thing that's worthy of your everything. In Acts 2, we see the Holy Spirit come and it makes devoted believers. Unafraid unashamed, holy, set-apart believers of Jesus Christ. And, and the Bible says, and then they devoted themselves to the apostle teaching, good doctrine. They devoted themselves to fellowship. That's what's happening right now. To breaking of bread, that's crew. And they devoted themselves to prayer, constantly gathering in prayer. And then the Bible says, and awe came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were being done by the apostles. I pray that we see supernatural signs and wonders in our time and in our church. And hear me, as the, culture, uh, as the culture's religion becomes more humanistic, I pray our faith becomes more supernatural. That we see signs and wonders that will follow, the Bible promises, those who believe. And all who believed, verse 44, all who believed were together. Say together to someone. Just say it together. Okay. Turn to another person and say, we're in this together. And all who believed. Listen, believed. There are some people that won't be in this with you. But if you're a believer, if you're part of this church, believers are called to be in this thing together. And all who believed were together. And they had all things in common. That doesn't mean that they all believed the same way, acted the same way. That doesn't mean there was uniformity. That means that we held something in common that was greater than ourselves. It's the cross of Jesus Christ that brings commonality, that brings community out of people that are very, very different. It's the cross of Jesus Christ that makes us co-heirs. It's the cross of Jesus Christ that makes us sons and daughters of the Most High King. It is not our opinions or beliefs. It is not our backgrounds. It is not our skin color. It is not where we went to school. It is not where we grew up. It is not even uh, what, what our, our affiliations are. What brings us together in unity is the cross of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that will last beyond this earth. It brings us together that you and me, we're going to heaven together. I'll see you up there. My house will be on your cul-de-sac. I'm going to say what's up to you every Sunday morning, every Monday morning. 
You and me will be hanging out together with Martin Luther and Martin Luther King in heaven. Why? Because the cross has made brothers and sisters out of people that would never be together. But the cross says, come to me all who are weary, who are heavy laden, who are burdened and burned out by this world, who are sin sick and filled with shame. Come to me. Drop your burdens at the foot of the cross. Whatever your sin is, I'm at the foot and you're at the foot. And I'm not looking at you saying, oh, look at their, look at their burden. Look at their sin. No more judgment at the foot of the cross. We all need the glory of God. We've all fallen short. We've all screwed up. We are all guilty. And the cross says, I have set you free. It's the cross of Jesus that brings us together. It's the cross of Jesus that makes us distinct, different, unique. I can't answer for the world, but I can speak for this church. We are one heart, one soul, one voice, one mission, one people, because we have one Savior, and his name is Jesus Christ. The Bible says not only did they have all things in common, that they began to sell their possessions and belongings in distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Because here's what the Bible does. This is what the Spirit does. It brings people together, and then it turns them outward. It makes us generous. It makes us filled with love and forgiveness. It makes us like Jesus. The enemy, his plan of attack, and he does have a plan of attack, and he has his schemes, and by the way, they do work. They do work if you will allow them. They do work if you won't call them out. So I just want to tell you what the plan of attack is. It's age old, age old. What his plan of attack right now for the nation, for our state, for our church, for our marriages, what it is right now is division and distraction. That's the two prongs of his attack. If he can't divide us, he can at least distract us. And hear me, division it not only wants to come into the nation, it really wants to get in the church because the church is the strength of the nation. See, we have seen what a nation looks like when it doesn't have church for four months, and it is terrible. It is horrible. Without prayer, without worship, without gathering, without teaching, without preaching, without love, this nation begins to crumble at its foundations because its foundations is Christ. It is God. We see what happens when the enemy can come in and, and bring division and distraction. And make no mistake, he doesn't want to just bring it in the nation and in the church. He wants to bring it into your home. That if you allow division in, pretty soon, division, division leads to divorce. It leads to diversion. Division, the Bible says, without a vision, people end up perishing. They got nothing to live for, nothing to hope for. Two visions, splitting the visions, then splitting the visions. What it eventually leads to is disagreement disagreement comes through division distraction the enemy wants there to be the enemy wants to pull you away from the strength of the body the strength of the believer he wants to get you he wants to get you in disagreement with the people that you're called to be in unity with because he wants to stop your prayer he wants to stop your faith he wants to stop the blessing the bible says unity commands a blessing we want the blessing we want the anointing on our lives so maybe, maybe you haven't noticed, um, maybe you haven't figured out that this is why, this is why your marriage is uh, maybe shaking the past few months and you just think you're going through a rough patch. No, no, when, it, it's a spirit of division that's trying to get into your marriage, trying to get into your home, trying to get in, in with your kids. That's what this shaking is. Now that you know, that's the plan of attack. 
So go to that corner of the wall and build it back up. Begin to sure up the area where you know the enemy's trying to come in and say, ah, I know what this is. I know what this is. This isn't about an undercooked meal. I know what this is. This isn't about me showing up late. I know what this is. This is. Now you can call it out say, all right, well, we might have our little disagreements, but we are not going to allow division into our hearts, our minds, our souls, our home. And certainly not this home, the home of Jesus Christ, the people of God, the family of God. Are you with me, church? Come on, we know what it is. We know what it is. And we're calling out what it is. So, so what do we do? Who do we follow? Who do we listen to? If the enemy wants to bring division and distraction, what does God want to do? Because the enemy is always antithetical to God. He's always uh, 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 completely opposed to what God is doing. So if, if, if the enemy wants to bring division, maybe God wants to bring unity, togetherness, agreement, and love. Hear me, right now there's a lot of voices you could listen to. There's a lot of opinions. There's a lot of locations that wants your everything. They're, 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 you're getting angry texts from your mother-in-law. You're, you're, getting, you're getting different opinions from your cousins. You're, you're hearing a lot from media, social and mainstream. You're, you're hearing a lot from lots of different places and perspectives, and, and there's a spirit of fear or anxiety or, or disagreement that wants to come in. But hear me, the number one voice that you need to cling to, be open to, listen to, and follow, you must hear the voice of the Holy Spirit right now. You must hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Here's the secret. The Holy Spirit speaks with a still small voice. He's not going to shout. He's not going to talk over the anchor on TV. He's not going to speak over your anger or your yelling. He's going to speak with a still small voice. Why? Because God says, seek me and you'll find me. Ask, knock, and the door will be open. God's saying, will you come to me? Because I'm right here. I'm right here, but you're going to have to do your part just a little bit. Hear me, church. Right now as a church, we're going to be led by the Holy Spirit. Not by culture, not by the opinions of man, not by what everyone else is doing and saying. We're going to be led by the Holy Spirit. Are you with me, church? We have to hear his voice. We have to hear his words. We have to follow his direction. And so the place to hear his voice and his words and find his directions is right here. These are the words of the Holy Spirit. This is how the voice of the Holy Spirit will speak directly into your life. So what does his word say? What happens when the Holy Spirit comes on a people? What, what, what is birthed out of that moment? The Bible tells us when the Holy Spirit comes on people, the Holy Spirit will always lead us to unity. Three things I want to talk to you about today, very quickly. Unity, the Holy Spirit leads to unity, the Holy Spirit leads to love, and the Holy Spirit leads to action. The first thing the Holy Spirit will lead you to when you're listening is to a place of unity. Look at it. The Bible says, in all who believed, that's you and me, they were together, that's unity. And they had all things in common. That's the cross. A united church is an unstoppable force. That's why the enemy will do anything possible to try and isolate us because he knows when we are united, we are absolutely unstoppable. When we're praying with one voice, when we're believing with one heart, when we're moving as one body, he knows we are unstoppable. Remember Jesus' prayer right before he went to the cross? He prayed, Father, may they be one. May they be one as we are one. That's incredible unity, right? But I, I could just picture it when Jesus was praying, Father, he didn't have to pray this prayer out loud. Father, may they be one. And he looks around. Just so everybody gets it. You get what I'm saying? Why? Because he knew we were going to disagree. He knew they were going to get petty. They're going to fight with who gets to sit by the throne of heaven. And Jesus is like, whoever said you get a throne in heaven? You, know? you don't get to sit next to me. 
that he knew there was going to be disagreement. He knew there was going to be all this weird stuff. He knew there was going to be controversy. So he said, hey, Lord, may they have unity. Peter. May they have unity. Thomas. As we have unity. See, Jesus prayed that prayer out loud for us to know that that's God's goal. And by the way, we were going to need that prayer. Thousands of years later in our churches, in our nation, with our people, we're going to need that prayer. And so we say, amen, Jesus. May we be one, Lord. May we be one. The Bible says unity. What does it do? It commands a blessing. Listen to Romans 5, 15. It says this. It says, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another and in accordance with Christ Jesus that together may you with one voice glorify God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about it. God is the God of endurance and encouragement. I want you to know two things. Number one, you are going to make it through this time because God's going to produce endurance in you, perseverance in you. You're stronger than you think you are. You might feel like, I don't feel like living today. Get up, brush your teeth, put your clothes on, go outside because you are more, you're filled with more strength than you, than you even think you are. God is is a God of endurance. If you don't know what to do, go through your routine because I'm telling you God's going to bring, he's going to bring air underneath your wings. He's going to bring lift. But don't lie in bed and just agree with the voices that hate you. Today's not worth living. Today's, uh, everything's so terrible. Everything, I just feel bad. I'm just going to stay in bed. You're, that's not, by the way, that's not God. God's a God of endurance. Okay, today I can stand in the storm. Come on, today I've got a foundation on Jesus. Today, I can get up one foot on the ground at a time. God is a God of endurance. And by the way, he's a God of encouragement. I just want you to know that's, that's the words that the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you. So if you're hearing words that bring you down, that are negative, that are unhealthy, that are distracting, that are abusive and oppressive, I just want you to know that's not the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's the voice of fear or anxiety or hatred, or violence, or anger. So therefore, whatever those words say are not the voice of the Holy Spirit, so you can completely disregard them. So many times people will tell me, this is what the voices in my head are saying. I know it's not God, but this is what they're saying. It's like, yeah, but you, you got the answer. You know it's not God. So who cares what they're saying? Who cares what they're saying? They are empty, powerless, and authorityless in your life. So what does this Holy Spirit have to say over you? You've got to get into the word of God and begin to get that in your heart, in your mind, in your soul. Come to the word of God. What am I saying? I'm saying this. Enemy, we see your scheme. We see your scheme. It's to divide and then conquer. But we're not going to be isolated. We're not going to be moved off. We're not going to be apart. There's a, there's a Tolkien character in the Lord of the Rings trilogy called Worm Tongue. And he was an advisor to one of the kings. And he would, he would sit next to the king and, and he would just speak weakness and poison into his ears. And this advisor actually represented a different kingdom. He was a spy for a different kingdom. And he would speak weakness into the king's ears. And he would say, you can't go out to battle. You're old. You're weak. You got no strength. Today's not the day. Today's not the day to get up. Come on, war's for young men. Today's not the day to fight through. And as the king accepted those words, as he drank from the poison, he became what those words declared over him. He became old and weak and fearful and anxietyful. Why? Because the words he was listening to, the counsel that he was receiving, was not that of strength or of truth. 
I'm here to tell you, you might be listening to some worm tongues in your life because you are a king. You are a queen. You are a son, daughter of the Most High. You need to kick the worm tongues out of your life. And I don't know who it is. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's on TV. Maybe worm tongues always in your hand, breathing poison over you. But you need to log out, shut it down. You need to kick it out because you need to make some space for the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God will come and say, you're strong. Come on, you got this. Come on, step back up. Come on, forgive that person. Come on, let that thing go. Come on, let's move into the future. The Holy Spirit will begin to speak strength over you. And it's amazing when they kicked that character, when they kicked Wormtongue out, the king stood back up and he grabbed the sword and his strength returned to him. I'm praying strength comes to you this week. I'm praying you remember how to fight. You remember how to pray. You remember what God's done for you. If he did it then, come on, he can do it again. He can do it again. God is in the rescue business. And he will rescue you over and over if you'll just allow him. But you have to learn to discern the voices in your mind, the voices in your life. Do they lead you to God or away from God? Do they lead you to love or do they lead you to hate? Do they lead you to activity or do they lead you to violence? What are the voices speaking in your life? Here's what I'd ask you. Learn to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit. Come to the word of God. you got to come to the word of God. If you're not in the word, you're going to wander into emotionalism. You're going to wander into petty disagreements. You're going to wander into strange thinkings, myths, genealogies, strange teachings. And worst of all, you're going to wander into pride, self-righteousness, and self-centered living. It's the word of God that keeps bringing you back to the cross. You've got to get the word of God in you. Hear me, one verse, one chapter a day, because I'm not Look, I'm putting as much scripture in these sermons as I can the past few weeks, but it's not enough to get you from Sunday to Sunday. You need to eat of your own manna. You need to drink from your own well. You need to eat of the bread of life yourself. It will, be, uh, it will help a hungry and thirsty soul. It is the word of God that will come and will be your foundation in the storm. It will be the rock against the waves. It will be the shelter against the wind. The Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall remain. So what does the word have to say over you, over us as a church? The Bible calls us to love each other as Christ loved us. The Bible calls us to unity. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, it'll bring us into unity, and it will move us into a place of love for each other. The Bible says love, it covers, not exposes, a multitude of sins. Look at what the word of God says in Romans chapter 12. If you want to read the rest of the chapter today, that's the chapter I'm reading from. It says this, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has assigned. He says, So now let your love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Does that sound like anything we see in our culture? Outdo one another in showing honor to each other. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Come on, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. 
Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. sight. Repay no evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The word of God corrects us, redirects us, changes us. Church, we need the Holy Spirit and the voice of the Holy Spirit to lead us right now. And hear me, the Holy Spirit will always lead to action. The Bible says that after the Spirit came on them and there was unity amongst them, that they began to sell their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. This was We Heart Lives all the way back then. The Bible actually even says that they knew within their own communities that they took offerings for other people, other churches, other missionaries. Some sold land and brought it to the church and said, give this to those that are in need. What was that but people who were led by the Holy Spirit to focus outward? Listen, one of my fears right now is that through this whole thing, we are so self-focused We have turned so far inward that we are losing such a massive part of following Jesus, which is to focus outward, to serve others, to consider others more highly than yourself. And I know we're we're, we're testing everything, and we're trying to keep up to date with all the news and and what's coming, and and even our own body. We're we're, we're trying to figure out how do we feel and how are we acting. And my, my, my fear, my fear is that if we turn so inward, we will end up worshiping ourselves, loving our own opinion. See, our, our doctrine could become our disagreements. And our, our, our mind could become our God. And our worship, it could become our emotions. If we're not careful, we will not act. We'll only be angry. We will not come into agreement, we will only be active in disagreement. We won't be for anything or anyone. We'll just be against everything and everyone. But that's not what I hear the Holy Spirit calling us to be. And it's not why God created you. That you have to be down and negative and filled with anxiety and fear. The world is an imperfect place. Of course it is. I I would say the world is evil. I would say it's, it's unredeemable without Jesus. That's our hope. And when we come to Jesus, he, what did he do? He served us. He left his place in heaven to come. And the Bible says, Jesus said, I didn't come here to be served, but to serve. So the Holy Spirit will lead us to others, to you. That we might be generous, graceful, loving, and forgiving. You know these things that the world has nothing of right now. We're called to act in. The gospel, the gospel is about redemption and restoration, not cancellation. The gospel is about bringing people of different paths together so that Jesus might be shown in his glory and his strength. And the fact that we look distinct, act distinct. Why? Because we are for the people of God. 
And we're taking care of each other. So I guess I would ask you, church, will you be generous? I'm asking you to be generous with your love and your forgiveness. Let me put it this way. Will you be generous with your grace right now? Your husband and wife might need some extra grace right now. Your kids, the church leaders, people, our nation. We might need to extend some extra grace, be generous with our grace as Jesus was so generous with his grace towards us. I'm not going to hold you into my account when Jesus so freely freed me. I believe it would be powerful. I believe it would be different. Right now, if you love, it would be radical. If you're peaceful, it would be powerful. If you're happy right now, that's rare. That's rare. People will say, what do you know that I don't? And it's not what, it's who. I was walking in the other day and coming to church one of these Sundays and, you know, I was feeling the stress of, uh, of the pulpit. I don't want to say stress, but maybe I should say the importance of the moment and, and all that was going on, you know, in, in the world. And, and I was walking into church and one of the greeters out there was smiling and said, hey, Pastor Jordan, we're going to have a great day today. And I began to tear up. I didn't know that I needed encouragement that much. I didn't even know. When they said hi and they were smiling, it made me begin to have an emotional response because they're saying, hey, we're going to have a good day. And I said, we are going to have a good day. Thank you for saying that. I didn't know that I needed encouragement that much. People need encouragement right now. People need grace right now. Love right now. I'm talking about Holy Spirit things. The world can't show us this. They've never experienced it. But we are sons and daughters of the Spirit. Will you be generous with your grace, with your love and your forgiveness? Because I'm telling you, it's what the Holy Spirit would want of you and of me. Not to be self-focused, self-consumed, but focused towards others. St. Francis of Assisi says, for it is in giving that we receive. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. What's the solution? The solution is unity, love, and action. I'm asking your church to begin to serve again. Begin to believe again. Begin to pray again. Begin to worship again. To begin to be the hands and the feet of Jesus again. When Jesus returns, he's going to separate the sheep from the goat. From the goats. And the goat is Tom Brady, but the rest of the goats. The sheep's from the goats. I'm kidding. Is he still? We're not sure. We'll, we'll see what happens. When Jesus comes, he, he separates the sheep from the goats. And to the sheep, he says, I know you. And I love you. He says, enter into the joy that I've prepared for you from the dawn of creation. And, and they say, well, Jesus, why, why, are we, why, why are we allowed to enter into heaven like that? Jesus says, you are, you're allowed to come into this place that I've prepared for you because when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was sick, you visited me in the hospital. My wife and I, you know, we're, we weren't able to to, to visit people right now in the hospital, but we've been FaceTiming different people, different leaders, and one of the women in our church, she's in the hospital right now, and, and we were in the midst of leadership challenges and, and, you know, just different situations, but in the midst of that, you know, she asked, would you mind calling, and said, of course, we FaceTimed this woman, mighty in our church, she's in the hospital, she's dealing with blood cancer and broken vertebrae right now and COVID, and we got on the phone with her, she was smiling, she was joking around, and she said, I still have something to live for. I'm excited about the future. 
It blew us away. This is what faith looks like. This is what faith looks like. So we began to pray for her. But I got to tell you, by the end of the call, I don't know how she felt, but I felt refreshed. My feelings faded, but faith began to rise up. Why? Because the Holy Spirit says, go to others. Come on, begin to act. Begin to love. And you know what you're going to find? That the Holy Spirit's going to begin to flow through you as you grace, as you forgive, as you love. Right now, I'm asking you, church, to hear from the Holy Spirit, the voice of the Spirit, to hear what you can do in this world that so desperately needs Jesus right now. You know him. What can you do? Maybe ask the Holy Spirit, how can I help? Maybe there's someone you need to forgive or a conversation you need to have or a bridge that you need to build or something that you need to launch into. I don't know. But I think the Holy Spirit will speak to you right now. He'll speak to you. If you just ask him, Holy Spirit, how can I help? Now, you might ask me, Jordan, tell me what to do. You know, what's We Heart Lives doing? And believe me, we're doing a million things. But can I tell you, you are Christ's followers. You are the church. You are the ones that God is looking to work through. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Will you just take the next 30 seconds, church, and will you ask the Holy Spirit, what can I do? Who can I be Jesus to? How can I help? Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.